One of the most amazing stories of perseverance I have ever heard is the story of William Glass. William Glass was an American frontiersman and fur trapper who in the early 1800s, 1823 to be exact, was on an expedition in South Dakota. And while he was on that expedition, he uh, encountered a grizzly bear with her two cubs and was savagely, everyone believed, fatally mauled by the the grizzly bear. In fact, it it broke his leg. The lacerations were so deep in his skin that it exposed his ribs. But he lingered on, and the men who were with him felt like they, they simply could not just leave him there to die. And so they fashioned a litter to carry him out of wilderness and planning on burying him when he finally did die. Well, he continued to linger, and they were surrounded by the Arakara tribe who were out to get them, and so they decided that they would leave two men from the expedition behind to stay with Glass until he died, then they would bury him and then catch up. Problem is, Glass continued to linger, and the two men who were left behind uh, began to panic at the threat of the tribe around them, and so they just left him. They just left him, left him with no food, uh, provisions of any kind, no weapon, And they told the man when they caught back up to him that he had passed away. Well, amazingly, Glass eventually came to. And he reset his own broken leg and used the bear hide that had been placed over him as a burial shroud as protection. And then he crawled and stumbled 200 miles over a period of six weeks until he got back to civilization, motivated, obviously, by a desire to live but also to reacquaint himself with the two men who had had left him behind. His his monument uh, to perseverance is actually a real one. If you go to Perkins County, South Dakota, there along the lake where he was mauled, you'll find uh, a monument to to his story. And those kinds of stories inspire us. I mean, we, we imagine ourselves if faced with impossible odds that we would somehow find it deep within us to to fight our way against those odds and come out to a favorable outcome on the other side. It is, quite frankly, an American thing to do, to be inspired by that kind of intestinal fortitude. The problem is it's toxic. It's toxic. It can begin to convince you that you are always able on your own to transcend your circumstances. It can create in your mind, a myth about yourself that will never be able to be lived out. And it is most certainly not true when it comes to our commitment to follow Jesus. I promise you, if you take following Jesus seriously, you will come upon circumstances that will overwhelm your capacity to follow Jesus. Your intestinal fortitude will be of no use whatsoever. And the only way that you will be able to remain faithful in those circumstances is not look within, but look up. Because the same grace that brought you salvation is the same grace that sustains your salvation and allows you to be able to persevere in very, very difficult circumstances. And so what I want to do today in our passage from 2 Timothy is spend some time looking at what Paul says about finding the grace to persevere when difficult times come, and then kind of put some handles on that at the end. So I hope you've already found 2 Timothy chapter 3. Last week, Micah shared with us, and didn't Micah do a great job last week? 
Hey, yeah, that's good. You got applause and everything there, buddy. That's really good. Um, and anybody that gets applause uh, can never preach again. Uh, so, I'm kidding. He'll do it before long, as a matter of fact. But uh, Mike did a great job last week of acquainting us with the words uh, that begin chapter 3, pointing to the difficult times that are coming. And it's Paul's way of saying you just you need to get ready. There are going to be difficult times that will come, things as we'll learn today, you're going to go bad to worse. You need to get ready. And then he says this in verse 10, you, however, I don't think you're going to stumble. You, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Now, on the surface level, it would be very easy to read those words, and this, this essentially come down in our minds as Paul saying, I, Paul, strong. You, Timothy, weak. You be strong like Paul. I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how we would tend to read these things, but that is not what Paul is doing here. Paul has undergirded his entire life with one key truth that informs this kinds of instruction. That, 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 that foundational truth about his life is this. I am who I am, and I am able to do what I do because I follow Jesus. This is nothing of Paul. This is nothing of my personality. This is nothing of my inherent strength. I am able to do what I do because I follow Jesus. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a very famous passage of Scripture, he tells those people in Corinth, those Christians in Corinth, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. And then he goes on to say in Philippians that the reason I'm able to stand strong is because of Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when we read these words, we are not to see them as Paul posturing and Paul showing how kind of macho in the faith that he is. We are to read them as further instruction about how to persevere, not to mimic Paul's actions, but to follow the Jesus that Paul followed, because it is in following that Jesus from Christ himself that we find the strength to persevere. And that's clear, actually, if you pay attention at all to those verses we just read. He talks about my teaching, the gospel. You have followed, Timothy, the gospel that I preach to you. And that gospel has informed my conduct. It has formed my faith in life, or aim in life. It's informed my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and allowed me to enter, endure persecutions and suffering. The root of all of it is not Paul's personality. The root all of it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by grace through faith in this Jesus Christ. And because of that, Paul says, the Lord, not, not Paul, not his strength, not what he was able to find within himself, but the Lord rescued me. And, Paul, and Timothy is, is basically being told by Paul with the word, however, these who have wandered away, I think, have a different faith, 
fate than you. And the reason they have a different fate than you is because you are following the Jesus I follow. And that's going to be really important because tough times are coming. In fact, he says in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, not might be, but will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says to Timothy, look, if you take this seriously, if you follow Jesus like I follow Jesus, it's going to get tough. It's going to get tough. It's going to be difficult to withstand the pressure. It's going to be easy to compromise. And here's the thing that I think is very important to note as a kind of detour from the main thrust of this passage. Paul is not telling Timothy that he needs to be on the lookout from the big bad culture. He's not telling Timothy that you need to really watch out for secularism. What he's telling Timothy in this book is that you're going to face intense pressure and persecution to compromise from the inside of the church. Let me say something to you. To date, I have never been ostracized for speaking truth to the world. I can speak truth to somebody who's outside of faith in Jesus Christ, and they may be courteous and listen to me, Um, but, but they don't just openly ridicule me. But here's what I've noted. You speak truth to the church sometimes, and it contradicts what they have begun to adopt as being true in their life, and they'll push back on you. And we all do it. It doesn't matter what generation of believers that we find ourselves to be in. We all know that our church tends to stratify uh, generationally by early service, later service. We're younger in our later service and, uh, or in, in our later service and, and older in our uh, early service. And there have been times that the same truth has been offensive to people in different services in different ways. In other words, I will say something that will contradict what they have adopted as being true that's disconnected from the Word of God to the early service, and it will make them uncomfortable. And they say, why did you say that? And then I can preach that same truth, and somebody from the second service come to me, and it's made them uncomfortable for a completely different reason, and they'll say, why do you say that? Standing strong sometimes is not us against them entrenching against the world. Standing strong sometimes maybe most of the times that we'll experience it, is within the church speaking truth in ways that people don't want to hear it. So he is saying you're going to experience some really difficult times. And again, all of that is informed. I think you're going to persevere because you follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. And he picks up that encouragement in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, it'd be real easy to think that he is talking only about him, that you learned faith from me, but that's not the only source of learning about faith that Timothy has experienced. And he begins to reference his mother and grandmother, who uh, were mentioned by name, Lois and Eunice, at the beginning of 2 Timothy in chapter 1. And he's speaking of them in verse 15. How? From childhood... You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to note how he has worded that. He's precisely worded it. 
He said, because of the efforts of your mother and your grandmother in acquainting you with the Scripture, you were able to use those Scriptures to find faith in Jesus. So it is through God's Word that you have been able to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now note what he does in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for... Does that say most? No. It says every, every good work. So here's the logic of what he has done. Do you remember that word, Timothy? that brought you to faith in Jesus Christ, that same word is where you will find the strength to persevere. It will equip you for every good work, equip you to persevere. So Paul here has talked with us through his words to Timothy about what it means to persevere, not within ourselves, but by the grace that God shows us. And he shows us how that grace comes to us, how we find that grace to persevere in two distinct pieces. So here's what I want to share with you. First, the grace to persevere is displayed, in other words, we see it in godly examples. Paul is telling Timothy here, that you will find the strength to persevere in your own trials as you look to the godly examples of people following Jesus in, in their lives. In other words, you're not to think, okay, you can find the strength to persevere if you do Paul things, if you just kind of gut it, gut it up here and, and, and really be strong in yourself. He's not saying that to him. He's saying that you have seen people, me, your mother, your grandmother, you have seen people follow Jesus. Follow Jesus like we have set the example for following Jesus, and you will be able to persevere. So let me ask you the question. Who is your example of following Jesus? Whose life following Jesus, not the things necessarily that you've seen them do, but how you're acquainted with the relationship they cultivate with Christ. Whose example in that is helping you follow Jesus? Readily, I can name one of my examples. When I uh, came to to Blue Valley Baptist Church 12 and a half years ago for my first Sunday, the search committee did a really good job of, of having people that were super important to me present for that day. And one of the people present was the pastor under whom I grew up. His name's Ron Rice. And on that day, he preached a charge to me to be faithful in shepherding you. And it was really important because he was the same one who preached my ordination sermon. Ron's been with Jesus now for um, almost, I think, almost four years. Um, but, But what I have learned about being a pastor from him, and I've learned a lot, pales in comparison from how I learned from him about how to follow Jesus. My home church, First Baptist Church of Tahlequah, Oklahoma, how do I say this, um, is cranky. I mean, they have a history of being super, super cranky. In fact, this is a legendary story. In the 1950s, a business meeting got so out of hand on a, on a Sunday night Uh, maybe a Wednesday night. It doesn't matter. It was bad. It got really out of hand. And so people left 
the business meeting, walked down the street, woke up a city judge. That city judge put his robe on over his pajamas, walked into the sanctuary of First Baptist Church, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, smoking a cigar and carrying a gavel. He sat down on the communion table and beat the communion table with his gavel saying, meeting declared out of order. That's a fun bunch to pastor right there, right? Fun bunch to pastor. Nothing that bad happened in my experience, but there was always just this current of, 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 of meanness, really, that, that took place in the church. And Ron shepherded that unruly group of people for 33 years. And the reason Ron was able to shepherd that unruly group of people for 33 years and remain faithful in doing it is because not of who he was, but how he followed Jesus. And I learned from him how to follow Jesus. I learned the importance from him of immersing myself on a regular basis in the Word of God. I learned from him of how to intercede for the church. He, he was a man... Uh, who in his later years never could sleep through the night, which is something I did not understand in my 20s. Now I, I get it, all right? He never could sleep through the night. And what he started doing, knowing he was going to wake up, he would set his Bible aside and get his table ready. And he would, when he would wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't go back to sleep, go in and he would read God's Word and he would study God's Word and he would pray for his people. I learned about how to follow Jesus by following the example of Ron Rice following Jesus. In all of our lives, there are examples of people who follow Jesus. And what we need to do is get with those people and say, I know what you do. I mean, I, I've seen you be able to be faithful. I've seen you been, be able to persevere and be faithful in difficult circumstances. I know you follow Jesus. Tell me how you follow Jesus. Teach me how to read God's Word. Teach me how to pray. Not teach me how to be strong. Teach me how to do these things. And in those things, we find the grace to persevere. So you've got those examples around you. Identify those examples. And then the next thing I would say to you is that the grace to persevere is drawn from God's Word. This is where all of this is leading. Paul tells Timothy, you're going to be able to do this. You've got plenty of godly examples around you of people who know how to follow Jesus. But all of those people are following Jesus by leaning into the Word of God. We went over it very quickly. But in verse 16, he states why the Word of God is able to do it. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. The word that most of our English translations have there is inspired. What this means fundamentally, theologically, is that we do not believe that these words at their core are Paul's words or John's words or Matthew's words or any of the human author's words. We do not believe that at the core. What we believe is that God breathed his word into these men and using their language, put in their language the very words he wanted us to hear. So we believe that this really is a record of God's words to us. And if we will develop a relationship with these words, we, like Timothy, will be equipped to do all the things that we need to do to persevere in our faith, in following Jesus, in, in God speaking to us through his word. We find the grace that is necessary to keep 
plowing forward in faithfulness and obedience. So, what does this mean? Well, it means that we are able in God's Word to be able to find the strength that is necessary, allow us to persevere, to not abandon faith, um, because we see in them the, the principles of human dignity, that, that human beings, regardless of their life situation, are very important to God. We see the principles for human sexuality, that there are boundaries in which the practice of sexuality is safe. We see in these words how to withstand the headwinds, the political hurricane that is about to come with an upcoming presidential cycle. I have been dreading it for years. I am being completely serious. I've been dreading the upcoming election cycle for years because we will get so wrapped up in everything that is happening through the election cycle, that we will begin to be more informed by that than by God's Word. Here's how I know. If somebody's on the other side of the divide from you, you will feel like it is your godly opportunity to speak of them and to think of them with utter contempt. Or you will be given to so much hand-wringing, oh my goodness, if our guy's not elected, I mean, what's Jesus going to do? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's what we do. I'm not saying that you don't be engaged in this process, but how you engage that process shows where your faith is. And if your faith is in Washington, you're going to go down like a house of cards. But if your faith is in the Word of God's and God's Word to you, then you will be able to know the difference between secular politics and God's revealed Word. And you'll find the strength to persevere. And so, what do we need to do? First of all, we need to find our example. Who's your example? And if you don't have one that you can go to and thank because they're gone like mine is now with Jesus, you need to carve out some time maybe this week to reflect on their life and what they taught you about how to follow Jesus and to give thanks to God for that person and continue to follow their example. And then, let's stop using this as a prop on Sunday morning, okay? Let's, let's start making sure that we know that the strength to accomplish every good work and to stay faithful is right here. And let's let this think for us rather than, than let secularism think for us, you say, well, I do that. Let me just point out to you how it's so easy to not do that. Most of the times when people say to me, man, I'm really struggling in something. Do you have a book you could recommend to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, what we're, what we're inclined to do is say, man, I'm really struggling. I need to go to Mardell's. But what you're going to find mostly at Mardell's are things that sometimes are just very thinly baptized, secular philosophies. The things that make the most difference to you are things that are saturated in God's Word. And I was taught when I was doing academic work that the strength of an argument laid in your ability to be able to wrestle with primary sources. Well, guess what the primary source is? It's this. So let's quit making it a prop 
on Sunday morning. If we say we believe it and we say we trust the God who wrote it, let's start spending time with it. You say, well, it's difficult for me to read God's Word. I get it. Some of this is removed 3,500 years from our time. What do I do? Well, you live in a remarkable age where there are translations that make sense and where there are study helps that can help you parse out some of the more difficult things. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. If you want to really attach yourself to God's Word, I would encourage you to make a commitment to read a chapter a day. And most of you, based on statistics that I read over and over again, most of us don't have that kind of commitment. Make a commitment to read a chapter a day. Start in the Gospel of John. That's what I was instructed to do. And get you a Bible, A, whose translation you can understand, and B, has study helps to it. And the one I'd recommend to you is the ESV Study Bible. The ESV Study Bible. Many of you have it, and I can tell you this right now, it is the best tool that I have seen come out as an adult for people to understand God's Word. You can do this. You can do this. Attach yourself to a godly example who will tell you how to follow Jesus, show you how to follow Jesus, and then root yourself in the Word where Jesus can speak to you. And then you can say confidently of me, If I'm doing that, and I can say confidently of you if you're doing that, when things go bad to worse, you're going to be able to persevere because Jesus will strengthen you to do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please.